Hi everybody and welcome back to the Paperless Movement YouTube channel. I'm Tom Solid and today I'm joined by Brian Jenks. So hi Brian, welcome to the show. Hello. And I think before we start here, and um, I can say we will talk a lot about Obsidian, um, but introduce yourself, where are you coming from? What are you doing? And what is this all about Obsidian in your life? Uh, put me on the spot. I am. <laughs> You're in the hot seat now. A, <laughs> I am a, a career civil servant in uh, the California state government. Um, my entire full time career, I've been working for the public sector here. Uh, currently, a student in a bachelor's degree program for data management and data analytics. I work in IT. I've worked in and around data for more than half a decade right now, pretty much my entire career. Uh, I do a lot of content on YouTube online about uh, the Obsidian application, but a lot of that is really just because that's the application I use. Uh, like yourself, I'm pretty agnostic when it comes to tools. Really, it's not about what the tool is or which tool is the greatest. It's about what tool works best for you in your use case, your environment. So I talk a lot about like more of how I'm approaching things, how uh, how I do different types of classification, taxonomy, and uh, categorization of different pieces of information, metadata, managing large swaths of knowledge, things that become too much to hold in your head, or you don't want to have them physically, or what have you. So I basically just deal with a lot of theory around information management, classification, uh, a little bit of programming, and note taking. And so I deal with a lot of different varieties of different things. I also touch a lot about, uh, touch on a lot about uh, academic software. Yeah, I'm kind of eclectic and a little bit, bit all over the place, but yeah. I love that. I really love that because we have already something in common with the tool agnostic approach there. It is, you know, the, the thing that I hate most, in, especially in social media, one person writes, what is the best note-taking app? Answer is Notion. So what? Oh, oh as we just said, you know, you use <laughs> yeah, exactly. But as you just said, for the people in podcast, how would you how would you describe my gesture now? Man shakes wildly. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah, it drives me insane when I see something like this, because yeah, and then they say, Oh, okay, notion is the best note taking app. then they go into notion, then they see, okay, they have no idea how to implement this in their life. Then they went to some notion courses or methods, and then they try to implement this and, you know, down goes the rabbit hole, and also the money, um, instead of starting on scratch and thinking about your own workflows and what you want to achieve. And then you think about what tool is best for you. This is what the ICO Academy is about. So people who follow me knows, know this, um, uh, that I teach the ICO framework in my membership, where we will learn exactly what your productivity system looks like end to end. And then, it, uh, you know, people realize very quickly, it doesn't matter what tool you use. In fact, you could use most tools in order to apply what you're looking for. And you just get this, um, you know, um, move the needle, I would say, picking the right tool then for your use case. So you picked Obsidian. Yep. What's the I reason? I, I, yeah, like I said, I don't really have a preference for any particular tool. It just happens that 
I use Obsidian and I have a lot of reasons why and a lot of reasons why I enjoy it. And I tell people that it doesn't really matter what tool you use. What matters is, um, well, it doesn't really matter what tool you use because there is no greatest tool. The greatest tool is the one that you will actually use. So if you want to use Notion, but you can't ever actually do anything, you can't actually achieve what you're trying to achieve with it, then it's not a great tool. Yeah. It's not a great tool for you. doesn't mean it's not a great tool. So mm -hmm. I chose Obsidian for a couple primary purposes. And I made a, a video way early on um, in my swath of Obsidian content uh, talking about how the two biggest players in the, the PKM knowledge management space are right now are really uh, Rome Research and Obsidian. Uh, less so on just the life operating system as a term I've seen thrown around, which Notion seems to be like pretty dominant in mm. because of databases and all the templates and now free blocks for personal use and all of that. But uh, as far as like uh, the graph-based uh, bi-directional linking, personal knowledge management systems, the, the biggest one that's been getting a lot of popularity and virality has been room research. Mm. But then, you know, the silent killer sneaking up from behind has been Obsidian. Yeah, absolutely. And, and being such a young application, uh, given its roots in Dynalist, the uh, developers made Dynalist, and then they took all those lessons learned and made Obsidian. And then the year, the development has been absolutely insane. And the reasons why I chose Obsidian over Rome Research were a few particular and poignant reasons. One is that I started my channel a lot with Linux and command line utilities and plain text, everything. Everything I did was within plain text. And I prefer that. I prefer portability and future-proofing of my information. And there's a, just a sheer amount of stuff that you can do with plain text that is, you know, good enough for just about any use case to satisfy your need to do anything. Um, that's not a, an all-encompassing statement. Like there's, there's definitely things that are better with uh, GUI applications or approaches. We are visual creatures, but for the most part, <laughs> I prefer living in plain text. So that is one of the biggest draws is that Obsidian is basically an application that looks at a folder full of files. What you do with that is whatever, it's completely up to you, but everything is a file and it's a plain text file. Mm -hmm. There's no network traffic. It's not a SaaS application, software as a service. There's no database. There's no network traffic. It's literally just looking at your files. And if you put those files in the cloud, if you put them into GitHub version control, that's your at your discretion. So your data is yours, portable, future-proof, completely forever. And it's free. Uh, Rome Research is a paid application, and I don't, definitely don't have anything against Rome. There's some really great stuff that you can do because it's in the browser and dealing with the web stack and using databases. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's always a, a give and take, pro and con, value and cost benefit ratio. And for everything that I wanted to do, I, I can do just about everything I want easily in Obsidian. And sometimes it's not about can this do everything? It's really just this thing has a lot of shiny features but do they actually add value to my life? Mm. Are they really actually helping me achieve something or is this just something, ooh, that's nifty. So yeah, for meeting those marks, that's that's obsidian for me is it just does everything I need it to. And I don't care about shiny toys that distract me from actually getting work done. I love that, um, especially because you're talking about plain text versus, um, you know, visualization of your notes and things like that. I want to go down there. Um, but one, one thing about Rome Research that worried me very early on is it became a lot of traction 
they received a lot of money and then you need to be careful what decisions you make and this word all in one application i think people get there realizing as soon they hear this saying it's an all-in-one application they're already scared off nowadays this is why clickup switched now to you know um, one place for all your work instead of one tool to replace them all it is it is just not possible because people are so complex and have different needs in their lives you cannot cover everything so this is when I was talking to the CEO from Todoist as well. I said, I appreciate this tool because it's, it is my task list ticking off boxes. That's it. That's what I'm using for. And the other thing that I appreciate about Todoist is the integration with other tools. So whatever I need in addition to this, I can synchronize it with my Google Calendar and so on. So I thought always... Uh, if I would create something like this, I would focus on this, on one problem that I solve, and then I solve it the best way possible, and then open up integration features with a via IPA and so on, API, uh, to other tools in order to connect it. And um, yeah, we don't even start with Notion talking about this, <laughs> but... Uh, I noticed the Freudian slip about IPA, so you're already thinking about beer. IPA, <laughs> not at six, not six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm Bavarian, yes, but you know, <laughs> we drink the beer at noon. That's what they do in Bavaria. Uh. <laughs> so, um, so well to piggyback a little bit off of what you just said. Oh yeah, I actually use Todoist it well uh, as well for exactly those reasons. It's actually really nice. Yeah. If I was to go back to like Linux and um, completely everything plain text, I actually had a really good setup with Task Warrior and several different ways of accessing it on mobile through the web uh, through a GUI interface as well as just using the command line. So that's also a really good contender. But I really enjoyed Todoist, especially the the launching palette that just pops up and lets me do my tags yeah. projects and just shoot things off. That's been really helpful. Yeah. That's another and, thing. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. Yeah. And the, the API keys, actually there's a plugin in obsidian that I can have my Todoist application for my daily note. And I can see all my tasks in Todoist for today. And I can actually do query searches on those tasks so I can have a daily note with everything I need into in it and basically live out of it. So you mean you can integrate Todoist into obsidian? Mm-hmm. And you can use custom CSS to style how it looks when it's inside of Obsidian. Ooh, I I have to look this up later. <laughs> that that sounds really interesting. Um, yeah, uh, to do is uh, you know I always compare it to one thing that is missing since I switched paperless or became switch paperless. It is this task list that I have on my table the whole day, on my desk, and ticking off boxes this in your face feeling is the thing that is that is missing where i say okay these are the tasks on my day that i want to finish and i have an ultra wide screen here on the left side to do is this open most of the day and i see these tasks and i just take them boxes off but this is frictionless there's not much fancy stuff it's plain text and another thing is uh creating tasks as you said it's very fast so it launches very fast i can take tasks wherever I am uh, very quickly and efficiently. I, I just write Tom, I get tomorrow uh, set there and, you know, with the hash and you get the project and the P1 is priority one. This is just so fluent 
But I thought that that's what I test first when I test any other note-take um, task manager. I look for um, ways how it, you know, recognizes my text when I'm writing in there. So yeah, that's really interesting. I have to look into the, the Obsidian and the task manager. But I want to get back to where you were talking about plain text and notes yeah. uh, and visual text, visualization of your notes. Um, from my point of view, the plain text becomes then scary when you write things down and you know exactly that you won't find it later again. So I even came to the point where I was paralyzed sitting in meetings and didn't take notes at all because I knew I wouldn't find them anyway. So when I was on paper, I had six different notebooks because I was uh, on six different projects in order to have some organization there. And then, you know, I was you know, highlighting and post-its and tried to organize this in some way or form. And then I went digital on the iPad and I thought everything will change, but nothing changed. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's when I realized, okay, if you're not organized on paper, you won't be organized in the digital world. It actually will get worse because it is so much easier to collect information and store it all over the place. And then you have some information in this tool and some information in this tool and so on. This is where I went down the road to the single source of truth and really think about where to place the information and so on. So when I'm sitting in meetings, we open up the tool that where's the task located we are talking about and we take the notes together in a comments bar section or whatever so everything that was agreed on is already available just after the meeting instead of sending out emails with meeting minutes and so on okay this being said we have the plain text thing now and i think people also um, prefer to have something like notion because making it visually pleasing gives you know looking at sketch notes and things like this that's a that's a really good approach so when people for example use my digital journal which is a pdf that you can import in your note-taking app on your ipad i have a sketch note section there as well so whenever you draw anything in there and i go back to this note i only see this picture i know exactly what is written in the text i don't even have to read the text because it's so easy to remember this is um i think legit when you try to as a way to find information faster but for obsidian you will tell us now we have a complete different approach and this is the red the rise of the backlinks as I yes so with that's one of the things about plain text is that i fully agree we we are visual creatures and so we do want things to look nice look pleasing i mean if you look at anybody any programmer and our modern tools, we have syntax highlighting for a very good reason. Visualization of different aspects of code makes it easier to find what you're looking for, debug. And yeah, one of the reasons I got into coding is just because it looked cool. Now, <laughs> where that really comes I in. I like your in intro, by the way. Text. If you ever go to Brian's YouTube channel, the intro is nice. <laughs> That's exactly showing what he was talking about. Yeah. The. The thing I like about uh, applications like Obsidian and uh, ones that use plain text is that it can be a, literally, as it is, a plain text document. You can open it up on Windows in Notepad and you just see text characters. 
But with certain applications like Obsidian, you have the ability to customize the presentation of that plain text information. It's still a plain text file. There's nothing proprietary about it. There's nothing you know encrypted or binary format. There's no, It's just a plain text file, words you can read. And so you can display this and it can be visually appealing. You can style it and customize it to your heart's content. And it's very, very easy to do so. Do so. And there's a lot of resources out there in the Obsidian forums and online. And I give away my own theme for free. And it's a really great way of changing the presentation to suit your own personal individualistic style and preferences. Now that is just the presentation of information. So now we like what we're looking at, but how do we find anything we want to find? Hmm. And this is one of the things I talk a lot about. And what I think one of my primary, more popular types of uh, talking points are on my channel is exactly that. Finding the things you, you want to find, worrying about uh, instead of filing things away, instead of uh, having to search and hunt for things, losing things, how do I find what I'm looking for quickly, easily, efficiently, when I need it, and with as minimal friction as possible, especially when you have a catch-all vault where everything you do as a person, everything in your life is in one place and there's no folders. Mm. It's literally just a pile. So how do you find anything? And so this is exactly what I talk a lot about. You have several different ways of approaching this. Many people still cling to the nested folder hierarchies. You could make that even less of a nightmare and still keep a little bit of structure if you implemented something like Johnny Decimal, where you limit yourself to two levels of nested directories and specific uh, IDs. And then you can go a step further where you have a completely freeform structure and rely entirely on backlinks and a specific structure within those backlinks to facilitate a level of organization. But because we're digital now and not on paper, we can leverage the power of search. And even more than search, going beyond that, if you have even a little bit of know-how and application of it, you can use regular expressions and search through plain text. And this is exactly what was happening decades ago on the command line with you know, older computers. And I just think that a lot of people really underestimate what you can accomplish with plain text. Because one thing that I've encountered endlessly in my work, in my career, is for one, version control. So if you are collaboratively working on a document, let's just call it meeting minutes, and you have several people in the meeting and they're all you know taking their own notes and then the minute taker has to review those notes and then what's the word, consolidate them all into a single document, marry all, this informa all that information up, send it around to review. Well, then you start ending up with, let's just say Word documents. You have Word document draft, then you have final, then you have final, final, then you have final, 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 I swear this is the last one. And then it continues to go onwards and onwards <laughs> versus something as, let's just say a plain text markdown document, literally just text characters, no formatting, I mean, it can be formatting, but it's written as like asterisks and underscores. It's plain text. It's visual and you can see what is actually happening there. Throw that into GitHub. Now every single change is a pull request with uh, exact comments and description of why the change, who made the change, when the change was made. And, oh wait, we didn't like that. Roll that back. Easy. Yeah. And you only have one source of truth for all of that yeah. documentation and all those changes. And this thing with combining that 
with Obsidian as well, is that once you implement the freeform structure with bi-directional links and maps of content, you can then take all of that organization when you're actually using it, but then toss the entire vault into version control so that any change you make can be rolled back at any point in time for any reason. Yeah, uh, I, I, I couldn't agree more. This is, this is, this is just talking my language now. So many people watching there incorporate, they know how it is sitting in these meetings and absolutely can relate to this. Um, on the other hand, I want to dive into something that you just mentioned there that in a digital world, we have so much more possibilities and, you know, this is something that I bring up nearly in every interview. When I was talking to Ian Small, the CEO of um, Evernote, he mentioned in this interview that, you know, only 2% of their users are actually using tags in Evernote. And this is why they didn't see it as an important feature. And I say, <laughs> the reason is because don't uh, people don't understand how to leverage tags. And um, what I also see, I, I mean, what I also like is the um, iPads. So as soon as they came, it made it so easy to transition from paper to digital world by doing exactly the same <laughs> what you did before on paper. So this is when, when people start going paperless. I say, okay, get an iPad, load your note-taking app, and then you do what you did before with the advantage that your notes become searchable and it is stored in the cloud and you know, and you can edit it and, and things like this. And people are going crazy and say, yeah, this is awesome. And this is why I'm all, you know, and I offer this digital journal designer so people can actually generate their own journal for this and so on. And then I say, so Tom, how do you use your digital journal? And I say, I'm not using it. And I say, you're selling this journal. You're not using it yourself and so on. And I say, I just solved a problem for you. I gave you the best product possible <laughs> for your needs. However, This is how the YouTube channel started out. I was talking about the iPad, my iPad, my transition from paper to the iPad and taking notes and comparing the note-taking apps and all this. But I thought if I want to move forward with the paperless movement, then I want to talk about productivity end-to-end. -end. And this is what I'm doing in my day job and that's what I'm doing my whole life. So I don't want to be this note-taking app guy, which is not actually highly effective note-taking. So because it ends in a note-taking app. The note-taking apps we have so far in the, on the iPad, what we know, you know, good notes, notability, note shelf, and so on, it ends there usually. So you have some connection between note shelf and Evernote where you can get your notes into Evernote, things like this, but it is very basic and you have to have a system that you could also apply to your paper-based note-taking that needs to work in your iPad. It's legit. You know, for many people, this is enough and they organize themselves inside these note-taking apps. That's fine. But having, uh, it depends on the complexity of your life, I would say. When you're starting to have projects in different areas where you work on and, and things like this, um, it ends there. <clears throat> so talking now again about tags, you know, that people need, you know, we have to get their hand and guide them to the way it's not complicated. You don't have to be a nerd in order to leverage tags. 
backlinks and all this good stuff that we have in order to build up our uh, digital brain or brain extension. Um, so the, the the other thing is where I went into Obsidian, where I started with Rome, I'm switching to Obsidian right now as well, um, is the, the, the graph. N not really for why it's because it's nice to navigate or something like this. This is something that I also teach in my... Uh, ICOR Academy, when I talk about mind mapping, and I explain from a scientific point of view, because a mind map works much more like our own brain. So connecting these dots and have the visual map behind this is much more like our brain works instead of the list views that we get in so many other tools or writing notes disconnected from each other. So what is what are your thoughts on this when you hear something like only 2% of people of Evernote using text? Oh boy, I have so many thoughts on this. So let me let me give some context and prefacing. Um, I'm not going to talk a lot about it, but uh, I have ADHD. So this requires this means that my brain functions differently than a lot of people and I need to compensate for a lot of different uh, deficiencies and shortcomings because of that. So a lot of my approach comes with what works for me, specifically for me. But um, another common saying is that just because you don't have ADHD doesn't mean that a lot of the strategies that those people use aren't helpful and useful. So one of the things that I have to constantly endeavor to do is reduce cognitive load and friction for whatever process I'm doing. I don't have the executive function to commit to large tasks without breaking them down and without taking one thing and then working on that and ignoring everything else and pushing it out of sight. Because if I look at it, it's going to intimidate me and then I'm just going to spin my wheels and do nothing. Mm. So I need to be able to not overload myself through cognitive load. And I need to be able to uh, take tasks one little piece at a time and manage things in a particular way that suits my, you know, my brain. Now with plain text, Obsidian and a complete freeform level of organization, this is something that I actually had to, I actually had to work to become comfortable with this because I was always folders specific, you know, uh, top level, and then continually getting granular in your subject matter, file the right thing in the right place every time. But as your system grows, as you get more notes, as you do more work, even just with my own job, reconciling my work notes after five years in my career and not even taking that many notes or that keeping that many files it's a nightmare to have to refactor all of that stuff into a new system. And what I had to get used to is basically let go. Now with ADHD, there's something called object impermanence, meaning it's kind of like when you play peekaboo with a baby, you know, they're surprised every time you reveal yourself because their brains aren't formed in a way that just because they can't see you doesn't mean you don't exist, but to their brains, you don't exist if they can't see you. So the same sort of concept sort of happens with uh, ADHD brains. So for me, if I don't see something, I will forget about it. Like I can't, I forget to reach out to my friends and talk to them because I forget that they exist if I don't see them long enough. I mean, not literally, but so it, it has that sort of effect on different things in my life. I will forget about my notes if I don't constantly see them all the time. If they're filed away six folder net levels deep, I'm going to forget about them. And so a transition had to happen where I basically removed all folders. I had everything at the top level. Basically, imagine all of your papers, not digital, but imagine physical papers, throw them on your floor. They're all there in a pile. That's basically how my digital life looks nowadays. And the only way I can deal with that is 
I have a particular way of using tags, bidirectional links, and structured notes called maps of content to find what I'm looking for. And I also leverage search and regex. And what this helps me do is it makes it completely frictionless to make a note. I can just say, new note, enter, insert my default template, start typing stuff, and then I, I can close it and I can forget about it because I have a tag to help me find it later and everything's at top level anyway. I don't have to file it. And that's the whole point is that there's no friction because I don't have to file it. I don't have to worry about losing it because there's nowhere to lose it. It's in the pile. Mm -hmm. And if it's in the pile, I can search for it. And so what my main approaches are is I use two different kinds of links. I use tags, which are a soft link, and I use bidirectional links, which is a hard link. The bidirectional link is saying this note on, uh, let's just say classes in Python programming. I hard link that to classes in JavaScript programming. That's basically saying this file is directly connected to that file because of a particular reason that I said, I need this connected. And I think that these are importantly connected and they actually serve a purpose. So and I go to the backlinks, I can see on either of those files, JavaScript classes reference Python classes, Python classes reference JavaScript classes. They are hard linked. It's very easy to see that. Where the difference comes in with tags and with tags in any system is that the tags are a soft link, which means they can link things together regardless of context. So I can have notes on, I don't know, cooking, on philosophy, on Python programming, on whatever you want, and they could all be tagged as evergreen notes. Okay, well, there's a lot of different things that can be tagged evergreen notes, but they don't take into account context. Whereas the context with the bidirectional hard link is the context of programming, the context of classes in programming. And why that is a very important distinction to grasp is that you can use tags as an indicator of status or a grouping of something, ways of chunking out a large swath of your information to do something with, but it's not really informative, whereas bidirectional hard links are informative. I know that this is linked to that for an intended and direct purpose. So what I do with my personal system is I use tags mainly, primarily, as indicators of status. Now, because Obsidian has nested parent tags like, uh, like the Bear app does, it was, uh, it was eventually added uh, down the line. I have like a parent tag of this one is inputs. Inputs being like any sort of material going in, podcasts, YouTube videos, articles, papers, et cetera. And then I have a particular, and I use emojis because I don't like to type a lot of words, visual in nature, and it's, it's easy. So it's nice. And so what I do with that is now I have a parent tag of an input. Okay, nested tag. What type of input? Book, movie, video, whatever. There's an icon for it. Okay, next. After that, I now have status. And I just use like different color square emojis. Very simple. Just red, green, yellow, like basically like a stoplight. And it gets a little more complex, but just to keep it simple, I now have three levels of tags to uh, loosely soft link a large swath of content and information regardless of context. So I could have papers on ADHD, or I could have papers on uh, using Git and version control with our programming. Like it doesn't matter. They are, they, are, they are both tagged as input. They're both tagged as input papers, both tagged as input papers in a stage of processing. But as a soft link, I can easily click on one level of that nested tag and say, show me all my research papers. Show me all my research papers I haven't read yet. So now I can go start reading one of those papers. I don't have to go hunt for it. I just click a tag. 
and there's a search with all those items. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's I think this was uh, gold right there. Yeah, that's a value bomber right there. <laughs> no, you know, if if you if you ever been on the fence and never got it, I think I couldn't explain it better than you did right now. And, um, and this is when it comes then in, you know, once you realize this functionality, then you start and you th think, okay, I want to leverage this. Then you think about is Notion the best uh, tool? Is Evernote the best tool? Well, it has tags, but it works a different way. And this is where we can help you then to find the right application and so on. Um, and you maybe don't need to do that complex. As I say, if you have some simple daily routines, you don't barely take some notes and you don't need to have this, it is overload maybe. It's maybe daunting using something like Obsidian. However, I love this. And, and this is exactly the mission of the paperless movement to spread the word about the functionalities of the digital world. So we start leveraging the digital world instead of just consuming it. And uh, talking about folders, uh, in the in the ICO Academy, I also talked about text versus folders. And this is, this is I, I visualize this, um, that you have the folder hierarchy and you end up at some point having one file that you potentially can add to two different subfolders because it belongs in both. And then this is the moment when people start duplicating information. So they have it on both places. They need to update it manually. This works maybe for one file and then it fills up and then people, you know, get lost. And this doesn't happen with text because it can live in both folders at the same time if you, if you, see it this way and this is why also in Evernote I always using uh, used tags over the folder system for this specific reason so you can have a hierarchy looks like folders the, the as you just mentioned the tags and the parent tags and so on but at the same time you can connect notes um, via tags in uh, or you can put notes into several folders at the same time put it this way so yeah, um, I really love this. And you just mentioned something very important as well, surfacing information. So you said you will forget about the notes if you don't have, if you don't look it up. So what I still use for my journaling and reflection and so on is day one. This is for me the best journaling application. Um, that I use for several years now and using it for several years. I learned to appreciate one specific functionality, which is what happened on the same day last year and two years ago and three years ago. And this is really awesome. And, you know, when I open this up and <laughs> coincidentally, I'm not doing this daily, but I see now if I would do it daily, I would have something to read every day to see exactly what my state of life was one year ago. And it keeps me motivating because I think, you know, we always think, ah, oh, we're still not there. But, and we always think we didn't achieve anything uh, because we already overcame the hurdles we had. And having something like this to reflect every day is great to keep motivated and see, okay, look, you've been there last year. And this is now no new problems you are having here. The problems back then you solved already. So how can we have something like this in Obsidian? This is something that what I appreciated in Rome is the daily um, 
note taking. So every every time I go in, I see the daily notes page and I just start writing automatically. And the same thing we have now in Obsidian as well, isn't it? We have the daily notes there. But wouldn't it be great to have something like this? And is there a way we could surface this? So yes, I actually have that implemented in my own daily notes. <laughs> um, one thing I liked about Rome as well is the, the everything started with the daily note and branched off from there. And that's a lot of my workflow as well is that my daily note is just my personal journal. But in my journal, I might say, today I read this great paper called Bidirectional Hardlink. And I, it was a really interesting paper. And then on that hard link is all of my literature notes on that paper. So everything related to that paper that I took notes on, a lot of classifying metadata, the way I named that particular file with a special symbol, a date, uh, an ISO date stamp, and then the actual name of the paper, and then a bunch of metadata tags and hard links inside of it, help me find that stuff later and deal with that. And then from there on those notes is where I branch off into the actual thought idea, Zettelkasten type notes that I take on those uh, inputs. But as far as daily notes go, my daily note template includes right now because my journal isn't is just about to be a year old as of April. Um, I now use it every single day, every day without fail. It's part of my what's one of my few habits I'm able to consistently stick with. And so uh, I now have a you know, little part of my template that will then insert a date, a hard a transcluded a hard link to that particular day from last year. So as soon as it rolls around to April, I'll now have the exact same functionality, transcluded uh, block or transcluded uh, document from my journal last year for that day. And as your journal ages, you can just add to your daily template once a year, the new updated you know, little um, transcluded template part for the prior year. And so as you go on, you just do that change once a year. And now you have that exact same functionality for every day, every year that you had on um, March 14th. There you mm -hmm. go. And what I also do with my daily notes is um, I do weekly and monthly reviews because there's a calendar plugin that makes it easy to just click uh, a week number. And I also have, um, because I'm on Mac, I use Alfred, but you could also use do it what I'm doing with the uh, in, inside of Obsidian Templater plugin. It's a plugin specifically for advanced templates and using command line stuff as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, what I do is I you know, run a quick command and it inserts um, a nested list of each of my daily notes for that current week. And then I go through those weekly that uh, those daily notes for that week and I pull out the highlights into the weekly note. So at a, looking at the week as a whole, what was the best stuff? What happened? What was the major events? And then um, as I do that, I also add that those highlights from the weekly note. I pick the best of those and put those into the monthly note. And then my annual review is literally just transcluded monthly notes. I don't do anything with the year. It's just when the months are done, they are in the year. So that way I can easily see all the highlights for a year, month, week, and then I can look at individual days. And then I also leave breadcrumbs on my daily notes. I run a single command and then it places a link to the previous day and the next day, which doesn't exist yet. But when it does, uh, I just can easily click back, 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 and it takes me down the trail. Yeah. Wow, that sounds awesome. That <laughs> I think we have to stop this interview now because I have to check this out. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's really yeah because it brings me further to the single source of truth the only thing that i didn't like about day one that i have again another system where i take some information so i solely put my thoughts about this and what just personally happened into day one and then all the other things 
build up in other tools, you know, related to the to the purpose I'm I'm using them for. But hearing this, that sounds interesting. However, I'm sure for many people, very it sounds also very complex. So um, you talked about templates um, on your YouTube channel. Do you talk about this? Do you have a video where you talk about mm -hmm. uh, exactly yep, this, yep. how to implement this? Yep, I have a video specifically on the core functionality templates, which is you know you open up Obsidian for the first time, brand new, no plugins, nothing. You do have fun. Uh, template functionality, you have to turn it on, but you have the core templates. But then I also in the same video talk about the templater plugin, which allows you to do different things such as running command line scripts to have other stuff. And honestly, I don't even use templater. I just don't have a use case, hmm. but I do like uh, elaborate on that. And for people who, again, yeah, brand new walking into something. And a lot of my system has been developed over mm, better part of over half a year now. Um, I constantly am refining and polishing a lot of my system. People like a lot of what I do. And so what I offer is, you know, sign up to my, to my newsletter and you can have my entire uh, color theme, my entire theme, everything that I have and all of my templates free, just sign up to the newsletter. You get all that stuff in, in a little bundle and you can take from that what you want, pick what you like, pick what works for you and, you know, do the Bruce Lee method, Jeet Kune Do, get rid of what doesn't work, keep what you keep what does and add what is uniquely your own. Well, that sounds awesome. So people, you heard this man. Um, <laughs> I think this is this is very interesting and yeah, definitely check out uh, Brian's YouTube channel. Um, so when we say, sign up to the newsletter, will we end up in your Obsidian vault? Actually, um, most of my vault is uh, published and public facing. So I do have a, a, an Obsidian published site where people can walk through my vault, look at my notes and explore. Um, but in my uh, newsletter, you I actually send out things like different tools I discover, um, certain thoughts or notes that I've made, my favorite note, my favorite latest article, uh, new thoughts and ideas I, I come across. Um, I think there was actually was uh, another um, actually uh, Deutsch YouTuber who was talking, he's a really small channel, But um, I somehow came across this this guy's channel. Uh, Tom Solid Paperless Movement. Uh... <laughs> hey, small channel. I'm talking like <laughs> less than 400 subs, man. Okay. Um, but I I, I I plugged him in my newsletter and uh, sent, hopefully sent him a bunch of traffic. But he talked about this really cool concept that I really liked. And so I, I plugged these concepts too, things I learn and interesting thoughts that I have. And uh, the concept was something called ABC lists. You know, I forget who he, who, whose research he was reading when he discovered this and talked about it. But you know, if you're searching for what notes to link something with a bi-directional link to, what you can do is write an ABC list. So mm -hmm. literally write out A to Z and say, okay, when I think about this concept, note, item, whatever, what comes to mind that starts with the letter A and literally just walk through that. And it's very simple but you actually come up with a lot of different other concepts and ideas and just, oh yeah, that does come to mind for this letter and that's weird, but now you can start, you know, facilitating more thought and connections. Well, that's yeah, really, so. in, that's really interesting because I recently made a review of Timestripe and in Timestripe, they have something called climbs, which is also giving you a daily routine to gain habits and so on. And there was exactly this method, ABC, just in okay. different order each day. So it starts with C, A, B, B, C, A, and so on every day, different ways. So you think differently for some reason. 
So this sounds similar. Oh, really interesting. So um, I think I want to know from my community, would it be awesome to have Brian as a guest on the iCore Academy to have a guest <laughs> masterclass in there? We need to pick his brain, obviously. Um, let me know in the comments below. And um, we talked before, before we started the interview, we talked already about something that you're working on. I would like you to share this with the community because this is something awesome as well, especially for my uh, business people, uh, members. Um, let's roll it. I can't, you know, I want to <laughs> people to know. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I'm working on something called Obsidian for Business. I, I was originally making a comprehensive course on how to use Obsidian, but what's something that actually came out that was more useful was something I made for myself. I work in public sector government. We rely a lot on Microsoft Office. And it seems to be that's the common trend in business. So one problem I have with that is I have emails, I have meetings, I have documents that are done and made in GUI applications. It's hard to extract that plain text and then use Obsidian the way that I use it for anything with that. But also how do you use Obsidian with a business environment? It's not just like a Zettelkasten or Evergreen Notes or you know scholastic studying for academia. It's It's business. How do you do business with Obsidian? And so what I've developed and what I'm currently testing and developing uh, further is an Obsidian for business package. It's a template vault with template files and a basic structure set up so you can actually do your business, keep track of tasks, meetings, links, bi-directional links and tags to you know people on your team in your organization, org charts through mermaid diagrams or Uh, query searches for every time somebody comes up in a meeting or every instance of a particular meeting or any emails and notes. And then you can use bi-directional links to then link to any uh, words in those plain text emails. And that way you can easily see that every time a particular acronym for a department or a project comes up, you can link that to every single instance of that word or acronym occurring through the entire vault. And now you can easily jump to any of those points in time and run queries and searches and easily find what you need to with your business information. But hey, how do we get those emails and meetings into plain text? So that's one of the other things I'm developing along with this template vault is uh, extensions and add-ins for Microsoft Office to with a single click or even a hotkey and no click at all, immediately send emails or an email. You can select a bunch of them or one and entire meeting invites and all the notes and attendee lists attached to them already made as bi-directional links sent to your vault as a plain text markdown file with a single hotkey pressed or click. I'm currently already using this in my own work and business. And yeah, it's as simple as uh, run a hotkey. And now I have plain text document in my vault. No, no copy paste, no save as text, no drag to the vault folder. It's I click the hotkey, there is a new document in my vault already with my naming conventions, with invalid text characters replaced, with bi-directional links for people already made. Everything's formatted, time-stamped, and structured the way that I wanted it. And all I have to do is hit a hotkey. And so this is the, the project I'm currently developing and alpha testing. And then I'll be soon opening it up for beta testing with my sponsors and supporters on Patreon and GitHub. And after that, I hope to release it as a product. And yeah, I haven't seen anybody else using Obsidian for business. So hopefully this is the impetus to start making that a bigger, bigger thing. 
this this really sounds awesome you know working myself in in big industry um i see big potential there um it might be more complicated in a really big industry uh, <laughs> i'm working on with th more than 300,000 yeah. employees obviously but um using something like obsidian you don't have to worry about the security because you have you can set it up the way you want it for yourself and this makes it so such a high potential there and um as you said bringing in these emails and building up the um swarm intelligence and <laughs> something that we that i mentioned on, on twitter as well uh bringing this into the business that you have one big brain there everybody could can leverage from if they're searching for any information they need they can go to the specific world and find information for this so this brings up the thing one vault or several vaults and connecting the vaults with each other so you mentioned this on twitter already um wouldn't it be great to that we were able to connect different vaults with each other um maybe you'd be talk about this uh, as the final topic here in this interview sure um if you're talking about like a, a single individual's vault or vaults um, personally, I prefer to have everything at a top level, but because I also have stuff on publish, I do have a couple nested vaults, meaning I have vaults within my main vault. Um, maybe you just, that, sorry that, to interrupt you, but maybe you just explain mm -hmm. what publish means when it comes to Obsidian. Not everybody. Yeah, it's, uh, the, it's the built-in service uh, for Obsidian where you actually have a website and your notes are published as a website that... Um, they're all linked. There's a small miniature graph. It's still a relatively um, beta new service, but um, that it's, it's a way where I can easily just send somebody a URL and they are going to go look at uh, notes, my notes, and it's all the stuff I have that is public facing. Anybody and their mother could look at it. And it's actually styled with my own custom CSS. Mm -hmm. So it looks the way my Obsidian Vault looks to me. And it's just basically as a interlinked website of notes. So that's what and where, uh, publish is. Where are those notes stored? Are they still then stored or are they on a different server then? So because they are on Obsidian published, that does mean that they are on a server to yeah. be served to the public. Now it's not something that you have to do. And uh, ultimately when you first download Obsidian, you're not going to have to do anything that requires network connectivity. Once you download it, you could never have internet access on your laptop or computer ever again. And Obsidian and all of its functionality would work just fine, exactly how, how it does for me right now. Um, but I also keep my stuff on GitHub for version control, even though it's a private repo. So, you know, my stuff's out there on the cloud somewhere anyways. But Yeah, I understand yeah. this, but wouldn't it be great if we get the option that we can store it, for example, on Dropbox? And um, this way, the publication feature would just pick the tool, um, you know, you gets access to the Dropbox folder and then publishes this way. So it stays in your own the chosen cloud, um, but it is still published. You can do that. And uh, you can actually, there's actually several people who have also put more work into doing this on GitHub through GitHub's free services as well. I think there's, um, I don't remember the name of the, I think it's Jekyll. So there's actually static website creators that will pull plain text files and markdown files with bi-directional links. And people like me who put their entire vaults on GitHub, mine's private, but 
for other people who put their public facing notes on GitHub, you can easily use these free services and not even pay for Obsidian Publish. Mm-hmm. I pay for it specifically so I can support the developers more mm-hmm. and the styling is just, it just pulls directly from your vault. But yeah, there are, it's plain text files. What you do with that is completely up to you. So you can put it on wherever you want, use whatever service. And because it's plain text, that means it's really easy to operate on. So any of these products and services that can render static websites with plain text files, they all work. Yeah, that's great. So gets back. let's get back to the connection between the different walls. Sorry for interrupting there. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I have uh, several nested vaults, meaning um, inside of my, my Obsidian vault, Brian's vault, there are a couple additional folders. I, so I do actually have folders, but they're only for very specific things that aren't really related to the vault itself. But some of these folders are actually entire other Obsidian vaults. And what comes with that and what the distinction is is that um, Obsidian also has a lot of hidden folders and files and configuration information, uh, styling, plugin files, all that stuff. That's what makes a vault a vault. Mm -hmm. So when I have a nested vault, it's basically like an entire Obsidian instance nested inside of my main one. And really the only reason why that is important at all is that that's the only way you can open up multiple vaults is if they're nested inside of each other. But I also do this is that because when I send my stuff to publish, I want to just say, ignore this folder because that folder is all a whole bunch of stuff that I don't want published. I've already talked to the developers and um, they like the idea of putting a single, you know, YAML metadata option just to say, you know, publish true or false. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that becomes something so that I can easily add a template that nothing is publishable and it would be be easier to manage. Mm -hmm. But what I do with my vaults is you can link vaults together. Let's just say they're not nested. Let's just say you have folders all across your computer that are all completely different Obsidian vaults for different purposes. What you can do is that there is the Obsidian URI link, the uniform, uh, I think it's universal resource indicator, icon, whatever. It's basically like a URL, but to a file. It says, hey, Obsidian, knock, knock, open up the file named this in this vault. And so you can give it those two pieces of information, the vault and the file, and you can run that link and it will open up that file in that vault. So if you have a main index note, let's just say that your main note, your home note on any vault is called index, then I can open up my ancestry vault to the index note, my normal knowledge vault to the index note, and then that vault over there to the index note. You just say URI equals this vault, this note. And you can have all of those vaults linked into each other. So on my main vault, I can say, hey, here's a link to this vault and this one and this one. I can click on any of these links and it will open up those vaults. That's it. So that's if you're doing it for yourself, your own vaults, your own local system, and you want to have them linked together. And I actually do that. But what you, what I talked about before and what we were talking about on Twitter is, uh, or at least what I was suggesting on Twitter is something that I've also seen Rome talk about, linking Rome graphs together, where you have all of your stuff linked to somebody else's Rome graph. It's not your own personal vaults. It's an entire other web network of information. And I was just playing around with the idea of how would we do that? at in Obsidian? How would that look like? What would that look like? And so what I was thinking of is if you wanted to open yourself up to some level of you know network access, not necessarily like giving your information to anybody, but being able to search through the internet saying, hey, is there a list of Obsidian published sites, people who have their own published notes? Okay, we can gather a list of those people. And now just like the autofill with bi-directional links, we're going to say, hey, find a vault that starts, you start typing, ah, yes, I want Santi Younger's vault. Okay, now from his vault, 
what note am I looking for? I'm looking for a note on, well, he interviewed me once. So let's just say myself. I'm looking for Santi Younger's vault, his note on Brian. And now that I've found that, I can link to his vault, his notes, his published site, because it's public. So if having that searching capability, what would that look like syntactically? Like, would we do two braces and then have it look like a link? Like, how would that look like? And I think it's just a very interesting concept of people who want to put their stuff out there, public facing and accessible on the cloud. How could we, should we, will we link to their notes easily with absolutely no friction to their vault and their notes from within ours? What would that look like? Yeah, that'd be cool. I, I like this idea very much, and I think it even goes a bit further when we, when we look at, when you, when we when we open up two vaults and we have common tags in there like productivity, we instantly build up the brain in a complete different direction as well. So I think you know companies like Google with AI and so on, they would be really interested to see what they what information they would get out of this collective intelligence that you build up this way. So yeah, obviously you have to make it open then uh, in order to make this work. But um, this would be really interesting to see how the different worlds would integrate with each other and where the overlapping parts are. So you could actually see it as two different people with two different brains and you would see the overlapping information where they are connected and what they have in common. Oh my God, this is going to homo deus now. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you, one thing I'd like to do is if I'm linking notes together and I'm just trying to con find connections for this particular note, I might just open a bi-directional link and start typing, uh, let's just look for um, theory of, and then I see what results are. Well, what if you could do that for other people's vaults? It's yeah. kind of like a Google search on somebody else's brain. Yeah, exactly. And you could link their notes. So if I could find all of Santa Younger's notes, if any, on ADHD, and then find Tom Solid's notes on ADHD, and then my note on ADHD, and link all this stuff together and easily search everybody's brains. And that would be a really cool, yeah. cool thing if it ever happened. This is going back to business again. Um, what a company can leverage from as well. This, you know, all employees working together in one brain <laughs> the, the, the company's brain um yeah i really like this and one one last thing uh in rome research i never liked when i started mentioning a page that it actually creates a page and in obsidian i have this as a potential link potential hard link isn't it so it it doesn't create pages just by mentioning them so i really like this Yeah, I don't know why I had yes, to say this now, but <laughs> it felt like this was missing. That's I leverage yeah. um, with my maps of content. This is going to be definitely uh, too long to probably continue. Yeah, with, I saw this video I on, actually, on Mock. Uh, that's very interesting as well. People, you have to yeah. go to the to the YouTube channel looking this. But yeah, this is where I learned about uh, a lot of stuff there. So this seems like... Um, I didn't want to interrupt you, but we are one hour in now and I think we have to have a follow-up. So people, you know, we have something left to talk about next time. I'm sure we can <laughs> fill another hour with this. So thanks for being on the show, Brian. Um, your YouTube channel is called Brian Jenks. Uh, yeah, if you search my name, you should find it. If you actually are typing a URL, it's Brian Jenks Tech. I don't know why I made it that way, but yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, awesome. And another thing is what I really like that you use on LinkedIn, your name with a emoji. <laughs> I love this. And maybe you can tell us what your name on LinkedIn is and why you chosen this name. I love this. People, this is a quick takeaway for the end of the interview. If you're still with us, here's a quick win for you. Yeah, here's a little gold nugget for you. If you hate LinkedIn spam from people who send you in mail, put an emoji in your name. And I have a, like a little chart emoji. If they, somebody sends you in mail, it will include the emoji in the message. And like 99% of the time, no one's going to go to the effort of putting the emoji with your name. They're just going to say, hey, Brian, not hey, chart emoji, Brian. So if you get an emoji in a message, I immediately remove the connection and delete the message because I don't care about spam. So it's an easy way of filtering out noise. Yeah, I love that. So for me, it was always when somebody starts with, hello, Dr. Thomas, I knew that, um, okay, <clears throat> this is just spam. And I hate it too. And I love your approach. It's so elegant. So Brian, thanks for being on the show. And I'm Stop sure we me. will catch up another time.